0: Good morning, everybody. If you have your Bibles, turn to Genesis chapter 37. That's where we'll be. Or if you want to use your smartphone, if you go to the Bible app, Events, More, then there's a, there's a list of the outline and everything you need right there. I'm excited about the new series we're starting. It's called The Test. It's a series on the life of Joseph. And we're going to find out. Joseph covers 13 chapters in the Old Testament, Genesis 37 through chapter 50. Is that 13? 13? Yes. Isn't it? Some of you, yeah, I think it is. Well, it doesn't matter. It's a lot. And, and, and the reason is because he goes from the 12th, he's the baby boy in a family, and he moves the second in charge of a, really of a kingdom, and God does some great things through him. And we're going to find out there's some tests in your life that you've got to go through so that you can reach your potential and your place of influence, and really I like to call it your destiny. But more excited I am than even about the sermon series is that we're doing it in small groups. So today you'll listen to this sermon, and during your small group period, you'll talk about it. You'll go deeper. There'll be more scripture. There'll be more questions. So our time together will be committed to building relationships where they'll be surrounded by the test. We had 136 people sign up for groups last week. Very first time, 136 new people are getting in groups. So that's good. Yes, it is. And you're excited about it. I can really tell. So, so we're, we're going to start, and, and it, we're gonna, you're just one friend away from becoming a better you. You're one friend away from keeping, from fall, potentially falling off the edge of the cliff. You're one friend away from growing in your relationship with Christ. You're one friend away from making a difference in somebody else's life. And so my prayer, my hope, is that you'll find some friends. You'll rally around God's word. You'll love each other, encourage one another, build one another up, and you'll be better together. Here's our key verse for the entire series. You're going to see this verse a lot. Get used to it. Memorize it. Think about it. James wrote, then I'm going to get to Genesis 37. James wrote, consider it pure joy, my brothers. Get happy whenever you face trials of many kinds because you know the testing of your faith develops perseverance. We're we're going to be tested in our faith. We're going to talk about eight tests over the next eight weeks that Joseph went through. And here's the thing about when God tests you, you never fail God's test. Aren't you thankful for that? You only have to retake it. So you, he never gives you an F. He just goes, oh, he didn't learn that one. We've got to do that again. Oh, oh, he's still dealing with that. Let's just stay in there a little longer. So my hope is my, that we'll pass these tests, that we'll learn the nature of God, the characteristic of God, some of the principles of God, that we'll come out of these tests with the least amount of harm done to us with the least amount of battle scars and that we'll, we'll, we'll move through it so that we can reach where God wants us to be. Well, where does God want us to be? Well, James says it in his next verse. He, he wants perseverance so it can finish its work so you'll be mature. God's more concerned about your character than he is your comfort. He's more concerned about your holiness than he is your happiness. He wants you to be mature. And so you'll have to go. He's moving you along this journey of, of maturity. I, I've raised three teenagers, so I know a little bit about, and I was a teenager. It was a long time ago, but I was a teenager. And I know a little bit about immaturity. You, you know, immaturity, my kids in immaturity will say, Dad, you're a killjoy. You you don't care about me. You just don't want me to go out on Friday night. You you just want me to do chores all the time. You, you You're just you just want to ruin my life. That's immature thinking. I I'm not a perfect dad, but I'm a dad that loves my kids as much as anybody and I just want what's best for them. Mature thinking is dad, you you don't get it right all the time and you don't you you definitely don't know everything, but I do know you you want the best for me and you've put in some some boundaries and you've made some You've made me do some things so that I can become my, a better me, and that's the same thing with God. In ma- immature thinking is saying, God, you, you just gave me all these rules, all these commands because you just want my life to stink. Mature thinking says, God, you have a plan to prosper me and not to harm me, to give me a future and a hope, and I want to align myself under your plan, and, and I want to I be what you want me to be. He wants you to be mature and complete. You know, what, you know what complete is? It's not messed up by the past. It's not still holding on to bitterness and unforgiveness and allowing your past to mess up your future. Completeness is is being whole, it's being redeemed and restored and living out today uh, with the the help and the power of the Holy Spirit. And I don't want you lacking anything, God says. I, I want you to pass these tests so that you can grow up in your faith, so that you can become whole. And so and so here's how Paul said it I've learned to be content in any and every situation whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want. For I can do, here's where God wants you, for I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. That's God's purpose and plan for your life. And to get there, we're on a journey and, and we're moving towards that end and, and you're going to have to deal with some things and fight through some things and get through some things, And just like Joseph did. And here's his first test. Let's talk about it. Genesis 37. This is the account of Jacob's family line. You're going to see Jacob's name and he's also named Israel. God God would often change guys' names and so if you see Jacob or Israel it refers to Joseph's father. Joseph a young man of 17 when we he steps into his destiny at 30. So for 13 years there's there is there's a, there's a journey and we often want to think God is like a microwave God just popping me in and popping me out. It doesn't work like that. God's a, he's a slow cooker. I mean, he's like a, it's like cooking a pot roast. He, he wants you to tenderize and I don't know, I'm making you hungry right now, but I'm just trying to get your attention. And Joseph was a young man of 17. He was tending the flocks with his brothers and he was the sons of all these guys. I'm not even going to mention their names because I can't say them. But his father's wives, and he, here's, here's what you need to know. And he brought their father a bad report about them. So there's 12 sons. They're out in the fields. They're tending the sheep. They're doing what shepherds do and what herders do, and 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 Joseph's the youngest of all twelve, and but he knows it all. He's better. I mean, he works harder in his mind, in his perce- in his perspective. He's the he's the deal. And so he comes home, dead. Those other eleven boys aren't doing their job. I'm the only one working hard. I'm the only one. I mean, just this little brat, spoiled, cynical kid comes home and he's ratting out his brothers. And now Israel, remember Jacob. For what He loved Joseph more than any other sons because he had him in his old age. And, and I guess that just brought him a lot of joy. And so he made a, a, a beautiful robe for him. And, and when he wore it, it just, it just ticked the brothers off even the more. They saw their father loved him more and, and they, and, than any of them. And they hated him. And rightfully, I mean, I don't know if it's justified. But if you have a little brother that's always telling on you, that's always ratting you out, that's thinking he's something that he's not... And then your dad gives him the, the favorite seat, the best spot, the best clothes. I mean, they, they don't even speak a kind word to him. I don't want to talk to you, Joseph. You spoiled rat, brat, father's favorite kid. And then he has a dream. And when he told it to his brothers, they hated him all the more. Well, rightfully so. Listen to his dream. We were buying in sheaves of grain out in the field because that's what we do. And suddenly my sheaf rose up because I got it all together, because I'm the man, and it stood upright, and your sheaves gathered around mine, and they bowed down to me, and the brothers, they didn't like it, and said to him, do you intend to reign over us, will you actually rule us, and they hated him all the more because of his dream, and and what he said, and you would think, Joseph, okay, stop it, man, have dreams, but don't tell everybody, especially not this, but, but I mean, from he ha- always ratting out his brothers. You can see some arrogance and pride, and I'm better than in his life. And he has this second dream, and he says, uh, he told his brothers, listen, I had another dream, and this time the sun and the moon and the 11 stars were bowing down to me. And now his father gets involved, and, and he says, it rebuked him. What is this dream you had? What, what do you mean me and your mother are going to bow down to you, and your brothers are going to come and, 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 and put give you homage and respect and and honor, and, and the brothers hated him. They got jealous of him, but the father kept the matter in mind. Here, here's what I know about dreams, and I do believe God gives us dreams, but if it's a dream about you, if it's a dream about me, I, mine, it's not a God-given dream. God, God does things in our life. If the dream, so here's the dream, and God, Joseph's destiny, the dream wasn't that people would bow down before him. That, they did, that did happen, and that was part of the big picture, but God's dream for him, that he was going to put him in a place of influence, that he was going to crown him with wisdom and give him insight so that millions of people wouldn't die in a, star, in a, in a famine. Uh, Joseph's destiny was to save people, but at 17, Joseph thought it was to rule people. Uh, Joseph's dream was to be used of God, and, and at 17, his dream was that he was going to use people. And so, so you get this, this, this distorted, this misunderstanding, this misinterpretation of God's destiny for Joseph's life, and the main issue, it's pride, it's arrogance, it's thinking of himself better than he ought, it's, it's elevating himself above his brothers and, and, and thinking that, 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 he's, that he's better to them, and I, I just want you to know that, that if we're going to step into our destiny, we're going to have to pass the pride test, and it's not a one-time test, it's a content, we got to deal with pride, pride is what got Lucifer kicked out of heaven. Pride is what will cause more problems in your relationship with God. Pride will cause more relationship in your in, in, with, with others. Pride, it's really a root of, of everything, not everything, but a lot of the stuff we struggle with. Here's what the big idea, when pride moves in, God moves out. If you want God to be first and foremost in your life, you've you got to, you got to fight pride and you got to face pride and you got to deal with pride and you got to conquer pride. Every time it rises its ugly head because God opposes the proud. He stiff arms the proud. He rejects the proud. But he gives grace to the humble. So you want to you want to be all your life for the rest of your life from this day forward. You want to fight to remain in a posture of humility. You want to fight to remain in a in a in an attitude of worship and praise and thanksgiving to Almighty God that He's God and I'm not. That God, you're above all and you're over all, and, and it to you deserves the glory and the honor and praise. Here here's something about pride. You if you you might have pride if you don't think this lesson is for you. If you're elbowing somebody else, if you've already checked out, well, I don't deal with pride. I I don't have that. Again, I. I you, this is something you're going to deal. We're going to deal with the rest of our lives because pride, and it and it raises its head in different forms. Insecurity is a source. it's a it's a root of pride. I mean, you think well, this false humility is really it's really rooted in pride. So pride can come in many forms and fashions, and it's something we have to deal with. Here's what Paul said: If you think you're standing firm, if you think you have it all together, if you think this isn't an issue, if you think you're above this. You better be careful, because you just might—you just might fall. It's the story of the Pharisee and the tax collector. And the Pharisee on the outside was the righteous one, and, and he was the one that was perceived by everybody to have it all together. And, and so he, 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 he wore the right robes, and he gave the right offering, and he sacrificed by fasting. And, and and he, he kept the rules. In fact, he memorized the first five books of the Old Testament. This guy had it down. And then then you got the tax collector who was who was probably known as the most unrighteous, vile, wicked. He he was a Jew, but he was hired by the Romans, and he would extract taxes from the Jewish people, really, really unmerited, unwarranted taxes, unfair taxes. And not only did he get the tax that the Romans imposed, but he would tack on extra money and he would put it in his pocket, and he would be protected by the Romans. So he could do that and get away with it. So they hated him. And I, I mean, he was known as an evildoer, a, 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 really a, a thief. And, and, and Jesus walks in on these two guys, and they're in the temple, and the Pharisee is just boosting himself. Man, I, I'm so glad. God, you're so, you're so privileged to have me on your team. And and I've got it all together, and I tithe, and I, I fast, and, and I wear the right clothes, and I say the right thing, and I memorize the right scripture. And thank God I'm not like that boy over there. Look at that evil tax collector. I mean, he's wicked, and, and he's an evildoer, and I'm so righteous, and got it all together. And the tax collector just sat, couldn't even stand. He sat with his head bowed, and his, and his, and his eyes closed, and probably his fist clenched. God, have mercy on me. I've messed up. I've blown it. I've fallen short. I've missed the mark, I need your grace, I, I need your mercy, I need your power to change me, God. I don't want to go down this road, I want to be transformed, I want to be, trans, I want to be changed into the image of your son. And the Bible says that, that it was the tax collector that went away justified. Why? Because God opposes the proud. Oh, you got it all together, you don't need me, stiff arm. Oh, you need me, you, you, you depend on me, let me, let me help you here's here's how that scripture how that story ends for everyone who exalts himself will be humbled but he who humbles himself will be exalted and 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 don't let that go in one ear and out the other I remember when I was I just came to my youth pastorate. I just came to Lighthouse Worship Center and uh, I I was 22 years old and I'd inherited a youth group of about 70 to 90 kids and and that's that was a good youth group size back then and especially for for my age and for my experience and and I, and i walked in and i preached my first sermon and, and i i mean i got done and, and i was just like a peacock man I, I thought i had nailed it man these guys finally got a good youth pastor they finally heard the word of god like it needs to be preached and and kids responded and they came to an altar and and i and i'm just i mean i'm just i'm just boasting in my just in my ability to communicate god's word and i'm feeling so good about myself and, and thinking so highly. And I bent down to pray for this little girl. She was crying. And the whole time, I bent down and go, man, God, I'm so grateful that you touched her. And thank you for using me and my words and, and just everything I've said to make a difference in our life. And I say, can I pray with you? And she goes, please pray for me. I miss my old youth pastor so bad. Miss him so bad. Look, look, listen, everyone who exalts himself will be humbled. And whoever humbles himself will be exalted. And I left that meeting, and I learned a valuable lesson. I felt like the Lord spoke to my heart and said, Stan, if you don't humble yourself, I will. And for the last whatever years, I've been trying, and not not getting it right all the time, but trying to walk in a spirit of of humility. And if you're here today and you think, "Well, well, I don't need this, it could be for you. This is what Jesus said, blessed are the poor in spirit. The poor in spirit doesn't mean you're broke. It doesn't mean you lack courage. It means that you depend on God, that it's in you that you, that it's in him that you live and move your ha- very being, that he's the br- vine and we're the branch. Apart from him, we can do nothing. To be poor in spirit means that I am dependent on God's grace. I, I am desperate for the Holy Spirit to live on the inside of me, that, that I need God more than anything in my life. And that, that you know why they're blessed? Because God opposes the proud, when pride moves in, God moves out, but he gives grace to the humble. If you're sitting here today and you don't think this lesson is for you, be careful. You might be on the verge of being humbled. If you're, if you're in this place today and, 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 and you, you think, man, I got it all together, take heed. The Bible says, lest you fall. Here's another reason. If you have an inconsistent prayer life, you might be struggling with pride. And, and why do I say that? Because... Prayer is the way that we declare our dependency on God. Prayer is the way that that suggests God. God, I need you. Prayer communicates that that the Lord, without you, I'm not. I'm not going to make it. I I can just. I guess picture the early church when they've been given the directive to. To go and win the world and make a difference, and, and they're thinking, I can't do this. I I'm, I don't know. I mean, I'm not that gifted. I'm not. I, I don't speak that well. I don't. I don't know how it's going to happen. And if we if we were able to get a window into the Book of Acts in that upper room, I just got to think Peter was up there pacing and passionately praying. God, we need you. We if anything of eternal value is going to happen, it's going to be because of you. We you know that Holy Spirit you said you're going to send us. If we need we need it now, God. We need your grace. We need your we need your power. We need your might. I can't tell you the number of times that that I have paced Back and forth on, on my floor saying, God, if you want me to be the father you want me to be, it's only going to be because of you. I don't know how to do this. I don't know how to raise four kids. This is beyond my ability. God, if you want me to be the pastor you want me to be, I need your strength. I need your anointing. God, I can't, I can't live in this in my own abilities. God, if you want me to be, if you want me to love my wife like you love the church, I need, I need your spirit. I need your grace. I need your power. Prayer is what communicates to God that we're dependent on Him. You know, you know what our, our problem in America is today? And, and we could list the problems, but it, it, here, here it is. It's pride. We've said we can do it without God. We've said we can govern without God, and we can educate without God, and we can, we can work without God, that we're smart enough, that we're wise enough, that we're, we're good enough to do it on our own, and America's the, the foundations are crumbling away. Well, what's the remedy? The remedy is if my people, which are called by my name, will what? Humble themselves. If they'll say, God, we need you. God, we can't do this without you. And and what? How do we communicate humility? By praying. God, we're desperate for you and seek your face and turn from your wicked ways. Then I'll hear from heaven. Well, Why is he going to respond? Because we've humbled our, God opposes the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. When pride moves in, God moves out. But if we'll declare our dependency on God and we'll be poor in spirit and say, God, without you, we can't make it. Then that's when God moves in and he forgives our sins and heals our land. God cannot forgive somebody that won't recognize they've missed the mark. And your inability to say, well, I've fallen short, I've missed the mark, is pride. And 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 when you say, God, I, I've blown it, that's when it gives God an opportunity to move in and work in your life. Humility always, it always prays first. That's why I encourage you, before you really get your day going, I don't mean spend hours. I just, just pray, God, thank you for waking me up today. Thank you for giving me breath in my lungs. Lord, I recognize and realize again today that you're God and I'm not. When you send your kids off to work, I, I mean off to school, you ought to be praying for them. And I'm sure you do, but God, they need, they need you, and I, I need them to need you. And so open their eyes and open their hearts, and Lord, I pray they'll respond to your grace. We're, we're dependent on you. And before you get out of your car to go into that office or go into that place of employment, you need to stop and, and you need to pray, God, this is my assignment, and, and today it's not my job to make myself look good, but I'm here to make you look good. And Lord, help me to decrease that you might increase. And I'm not here to impress people. I'm here to serve people. I just, I just want you to know Before before you let that guy come into your office that you got that appointment with, and before you tell your secretary, yeah, just let him in, why don't you spend a little bit of time in prayer? Because maybe it's more than a business deal. Maybe this guy's hurting and in need, and maybe God wants to use you to encourage or strengthen or or speak a word of life or speak speak a word of hope over him. Just take some time. Before you send that email, Lord, let this be communicated in the right way. Before you lose your temper, why don't you pray? You know what Paul said? Rejoice always, pray continually continually give thanks in all circumstances, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus. Prayer should be our first response, not our last resort. We tend to act first and then act God, and then ask God to bail us out, and that is pride. We're going to act, we're just going to pray first. We're going to declare God's God dependency, not self-sufficiency, self-dependency. Here's another thing. We take credit for your success. And uh, I just, again, I, I want to use the story of Uzziah. He's in Second Chronicles twenty-six, I believe, and, and Uzziah was this this young guy that had all the ability and had a lot of talent, natural giftings, and, and God was really raising him up and, and using him to influence. And he became king of Israel and he rebuilt a bunch of cities and he defeated all their major enemies and and he started an agriculture system that was making them really self-sufficient. And, and and he built an army that was the talk of of the, the world during that time. And And Uzziah was moving along, and and things were really happening, and his fame spread far and wide, and he was greatly helped until he became powerful. And once he became powerful, something happened. And next week, we're going to talk about the pit, and when you get in, in, and you deal with discouragement, and you got to, I'm going to help you get through that and how you come out of that. But I'm almost more concerned about, about the pride issue. I'm more concerned about when God starts blessing, because when we're in the pit, we're desperate for God. But when we're on the pinnacle, we're often thinking we're the reason and we're we're the purpose behind it. And when he became powerful, the Bible says that that he started getting prideful, and his pride led to his downfall. And he was unfaithful to the Lord his God. He turned his back on God. He did some things that he knew was he shouldn't do, and and he and he distorted the word of God and he rebelled against the word of God. and God struck him with leprosy. And I'm grateful it's not we don't live in the Old Testament. But God deals with pride. And and what we should be talking about, Uzziah, a great man, and even we it ought to be David and Uzziah. We ought to talk about them in the same breath. But now we're using Uzziah as a negative representation, a negative illustration, because he couldn't deal, he couldn't get through pride. Here, here's how Jeremiah said don't let the wise man boast in his wisdom. Oh, you think you're so wise and you think you're so smart. And you think you're the one that, that's caused what's happened around you because of you? Or don't let the powerful boast in their power. Are the athletic boast in their athleticism? Are the rich boast in their riches? Oh, I did this. I accomplished this. No, the Bible says if anyone's going to boast, let him boast in the Lord. Let him boast in the Lord. I, I remember dealing with with uh, a lot of guys right around. 08, 09, you remember when the economy collapsed, and especially if people were in the construction business and in, in, in uh, that kind of work, many of them had really built up a business. It was booming. They were making a lot of money, doing really well, spending on a lot of toys, and, and then it crashed, and, and a lot of them lost just about everything overnight. And it was rough, man, and, and, and it was a hard time. I mean, guys, big, strong, powerful guys cry, crying across the desk for me, you know, just crying out to God, God, I got too prideful, I got too arrogant, I put too much hope in my riches, I put too, too much hope in my own strength and, and I, I feel like there was just a lot of repentance during that time and a lot of returning to the Lord and, and now it's been nine years later, and, and some of those guys, not all of them, thank God, but some of them I'm seeing they're just like going down, now they've rebuilt and, and now they're profiting again, and now the housing market is booming and things. to be going good and it's almost if they have this attitude like i rebuilt this and i made this happen and okay if something bad happens again i i can dig out i can do it and i just want us to be reminded don't boast in your wisdom don't don't boast in your eric don't boast in your ability don't don't if you're going to boast if you're going to do anything you give glory to almighty god because god opposes the proud when pride moves in god moves out But he gives grace to the humble here here's another thing if you're unwilling to reach out for help you probably have got some pride if you're if you are sitting here today and and you're struggling with an issue and but you're not willing to share it or, or or to bring it to the light it's probably pride is behind it here's what james says confess your sins to one another and pray for one another so that you may be healed remember when you confess your sins to jesus you're forgiven but it takes confession and one another for you to get healed. That's why these eight weeks are so important, because you can build some relationships with each other, and you can begin to begin to share your, your struggles and your challenges and your temptations. You can begin to bring them into the light, and God can begin to heal you up. There's people right now in this service whose marriage is struggling, who it's constant conflict, and you're, you're battling day in and day out, and you're wondering if you're ever going to make it. But because of your pride, you're unwilling to let anybody else know And I just just want you to know there are people in this room that have gone through the very exact same thing you're going through. Maybe many of them are even going through it now. but But you know what pride wants to do? It's a lie of the enemy. It wants to isolate you and keep you like you're the only one, that you're the only one with this struggle. Until you say, hey, man. I've got this issue. You realize I had that same issue. Me and my wife went through the same thing. I can't believe this. Son, so much what what we what we just experienced and went through. Let me. This is how we got through it. This is what we did. This is what we accomplished. But because of our pride and our unwillingness to admit that that we don't have all the answers, that we don't that we're not doing it right, or it just appears to be right, we're unwilling to reach out. And we're some of you are in a financial mess, and you've made bad decisions with your credit, and and you've made. Poor stewardship, uh, you haven't honored the Lord with, with, with the finances that he's given you, and, and you just, you're just under this, this pressure. And I'm telling you, many of us have sat and been in the same place. We, we've done stupid stuff, and we've made bad mistakes. And the worst thing you can do is just in self-pity say, I'm the only one. And, and in condemnation and guilt, but the best thing you can do is say, hey, I made a mistake. I blew it. I messed up. Can you help me? Because God opposes the proud. Oh, you don't want to admit you messed up? Oh, you don't want to ask for help? Okay, do it on your own. But he gives grace to the humble. Oh, you want to admit? You want to confess? You want to reach out? Let me embrace. Let me help. Let me come alongside. God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. I think. I think the antidote for pride is a revelation of God's love. I think and I think the antidote for just about anything that we struggle with, that we wrestle with, is a revelation of God's love. And 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 I, I hate to be repetitive and and some of you heard this a few Wednesday nights ago and and for just forgive me right now for repeating myself. But it so changed me that I felt like I needed to. I needed to share it with the entire congregation. I've always struggled with the love of God. And I think because I've struggled with the love of God, I've had to try to outperform other people. I've had to try to be a better pastor or, or preach a better message. Or I, my, my, God's acceptance and love, it's, I've always struggled with what's well, because of what I do or what I don't do. And you know what, that's, you know what that is? what that It's pride. It's, it's just, it's just arrogance, thinking I have to be somebody I'm not, thinking I got to perform. I've, I've tried to base God's love for me on my past, my performance, or my potential. And it's, and it's kept me at times. I mean, there've been times where I've come out of it, but, but it's been a thread woven in my life that's keeping me from God's best for me. And, and, and this, 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 Trip I went on this summer, and again I'm so grateful that you gave me the opportunity. Me and my family, and we went away for six weeks. And I was not in a—I didn't feel like I was in a bad place spiritually. But I just needed God to—I needed God. I just wanted more of God. So we visited churches, and and we ended the thing. We ended it. Me and Emily ended it at a at a uh, a retreat, a father son retreat. And and remember now, I'm I struggle with. I struggle with some love. Did I say father-son? Father-daughter retreat. You guys, you know what I'm talking about. Just give them the gift of interpretation in Jesus' name. <laughs> I don't know, maybe because I grew up in a, you know, a reward culture. Eat your, eat your peas, you get dessert. You do your homework, you get to go out Friday night. And, you know, all that, make good grades. So, uh, you know, I mean, we're all fighting that, dealing with that. So I go on this retreat, and man, I really worked hard because I didn't want to be Pastor Stan. I just wanted to be Emily's dad. Because when you get pastor in a situation, it just messes everything up. It's like, you know, they have these perceived ideas that I'm something, or, you know, they want me to pray for everything and bless everything. Where's that found in the Bible? I don't know. You look in the Bible, you... You gotta conclude you got the Bible. you find it. What do you mean? I'm not a Bible app. Just preach every now and then. You know, I I, I just I just wanted to I wanted to be able to cuss and nobody say nothing about. It. No, I'm kidding. I don't cuss. That's a joke. I told him the other Wednesday night. I only cuss when I'm drunk. But that's not no. And I don't. I, that's a, that's a bad joke. I just wanted to be Emily's dad. And so people asked me, what did you do? I said, I'm in sales. And that was kind of true, man. I'd sell Jesus on Sunday. That's what I do. So I wasn't really lying. I just, I, just wanted to, I wanted to sit in service and not have to do anything. And nobody to know me or think anything about me. So I'm sitting in this service, and, and, and they start singing this song that we've introduced, and we've sang it, and we're going to sing it again. But I was just sitting down, and, and they started singing, oh, the overwhelming never ending reckless love of God and I, I, I'm just thinking God do you really love me like that or is this for everybody else God do you do you really, do you, do you really not care how well I preach or how good I do God I, I should be so much further along than I am God why do I keep saying the same things and doing the same things week after week month after month I want to be better why am I doing this, God? Is your love, does it really penetrate through all that? It chases me down. It fights till I'm found. It leaves the 99. God, are you telling me if I was, if I was in a group of 100 people and I needed to know God and experience God and, and have God revealed to me that you would leave the 99 and come to me? Is is that what you're saying? I couldn't earn it. I don't deserve it. But you gave yourself away. And you know what the Bible says? The love of God surpasses all knowledge. You know what that means? You can't understand it. It's not a mental thing. It's a heart thing. It's not revealed to you in your mind. It's revealed to you by God's spirit, and he speaks to your spirit. And I think... In that moment, I started to get a a fresh revelation, a new understanding of the love of God. And they started belting out the chorus: There's no shadow you won't light up. There's no mountain you won't climb up coming after me. There's There's no lie you won't tear down coming after me. And I sat there with tears coming down my eyes and just, God, thank you for your love it wrecked me it broke me you know what the love of God will do it will rid you of pride because when you really know the love of God you're humbled you're God I don't deserve this God I've not done anything to earn this but you love me just the same those verses that I've preached about and talked about for so long for God so loved the world, it became personal. For God so loved me. Stand grant that he gave his only begotten son that if I would just believe on him. The verse in 1 John 3 1, Behold, what manner of love the Father hath bestowed upon me, that I should be called a child of Alma. What pride can stay in that atmosphere? What pride can stay in that in that understanding? Oh, Nothing will separate you, stand from the love of God. Trials, hardships, negative emails, bad reports, nothing will separate you from the love of God, which is found in Christ Jesus our Lord. You know what I want for you more than anything? I think we can try to deal with pride, and I think we can wrestle pride, and we need to resist pride, but ultimately you need a revelation of God's love, which will drive out pride. When you understand the love of God, you you stay, you get, you remain in a a posture of worship, in a posture of gratitude, in a posture of humility. My prayer this morning is that we'll be able to discern, that we'll get fresh eyes, that, that we'll get a revelation of how high and how deep and how far and how wide the love of God is.